Hello, Frog fans. Welcome back to Post Game Beers Podcast. We are the Lupton Drinking Club. I am your host tonight, Kyle Malloy at YellowMK on Twitter. Joined by my co-host, Jacob Sailors at JD Sailors. We've got the full crew here tonight. Crazy Ray Cartwright, our producer, the Sultan of Set, Martin Guerrero, and of course, our horse, Garrett Evans. Jacob, quick uh, question. I'm going to throw it to you. When you're thirsty for an iconic, <laughs> legendary finished drink that's refreshing and delicious, what do you go to, my friend? I go to Long Drink, MK. Have you ever that's heard right. of Long Drink? I have. have. we have we talked about Long Drink in a while? It's been Never. a minute. It's been a minute. Okay, let's talk about Long Drink. There's a bunch of flavors. If you haven't had one, there's the traditional citrus, which is delicious. There's a zero sugar option, which I'm holding in my hand right now. Hopefully, you guys can see it. I've got a couple peaches. I can see you guys uh, holding I'm drinking up as a well. peach right now. There's a oh, there's a there's a strong one. It's a black can, eight point five strong. Don't boy. forget about the big black can. If you're looking for something fun, we've got cranberry. There's peach. Anyway, we had uh, a blast hyping this up when we first started, and now we're back with Long Drink. If you guys haven't had one, run to Specs, run to your Guess favorite who? liquor store. It's awesome. Back again, the Finnish legend back. of 1952. That's right. Thanks for Long Drink for sponsoring the pod. We're going to talk about Hell's Half Acre later on. Uh, that's just a tease. Uh, Jacob, how you yeah, doing? Stay, t- stay tuned for Hell's Half Acre. MK, my voice is shot. Dude, it I, is gone. I, I left it all out on the field this weekend. So <laughs> I'm I'm, I'm going to try to muscle through this pod, but I apologize to everybody listening. This is the best my voice is going to sound for the next hour. <laughs> it is gone. Dude, I, I've been, I drink prayers, brother. I drank a venti tea from Starbucks this morning to try to get it back. I took some Sudafed. It's hot just tea. not You got to go hot tea, not... Uh, I did. Go. I did go hot tea. You go uh, some honey in there, try and loosen it yes. up a little bit. Uh, mint, honey, citrus, venti tea from Starbucks. Not mm. a great advertisement for Starbucks because obviously it didn't work. No. <laughs> yeah. Starbucks trash, but long drink, that'll get you in the, the right phrase to say to mind. But I will try to find a way to fight through it. I promise. All right. So we had a uh, a nice weekend at Lupton. We had a, a a good three games where I think the Frogs came out on top, and we're going to talk about all of them. Was Jacob, it nice? It, n- nice. Uh, we'll figure it out. Jacob, you wanted to start off with something. What, what, what yeah. Was that? Okay. So this is a story about how the frog fam is actually a family and not just a saying. Okay. So we have a good friend of the podcast. His name is Spencer Jackson. You guys all know him. Well, I do. Everybody's nodding. their. Sorry. I was, I was muted. Yes. (laughs) Spencer. Good dude. Yeah. So he, he popped up in our ads after the Friday game and somebody responded and said, Hey man, I'm glad to see you're on the mend after you know what happened. And Spencer being a longtime friend of mine, I was like, what the hell is going on with Spencer? So I give him a call and I I say, dude, hey, how you doing? Are you okay? And he said, Well, I'm better now, but I spent the last like five days in the hospital. And so he starts telling me, he said, he said he said he caught a fever. And he was like at 103 for like five days straight. So he finally went to the emergency room and uh, they ran some tests on him, found out he was um, he he had pneumonia 
not fun. I had a fever for a little, about 12 hours, and I can confirm it was the most miserable I've ever been in my life. Was that when you were patient zero for COVID back in 2019? Oh, my goodness. No. Yeah. Uh, no, that was not when I rang in. I rang in 2020 in the hospital with a illness they couldn't figure out. Yeah. So for those who don't know, Ray took a trip to China late in 2019. <laughs> to Wuhan. He came, he came back and yeah. ended up in the hospital. I need some of that Wuhan Chinese food. And, uh, <laughs> I got my fix soup. and then some. All right. So spent, so they diagnosed him with pneumonia. And he was like, I never thought as a 35-year-old I would catch pneumonia, but here I am. Oh, yeah. What an old man. So, you know, Spencer being the big frog fan that he is, I'm sure he was talking about, you know, hey, I need to get out of this hospital so I can get to Lupton and cheer on my frogs. Well, turns out um, somebody in the hospital that he talked to is good friends with Sonny Dykes' sister. So they contact Sonny Dykes' sister, who then contacts Sonny Dykes. And- oh, my God. This is such a Spencer story. For those who don't know Spencer, this yeah. dude always finds himself in the most amazing situations. <laughs> No doubt. Um, I really, I forgot to upload this video, but I'll just tell you about it. So Spencer's in the hospital. Next thing you know, Sonny Dykes' assistant is walking in to Spencer's uh, hospital room and introduces herself and says, hey, I'm here on behalf of uh, Sonny Dykes. He wanted to be here, but he's flying out to Philadelphia today. So here I am, and we just brought you we brought you a signed football helmet from the team. We brought you a signed football, and then she plays a message from Sonny Dyke saying, Spencer, hey, sorry uh, you're going through what you're going through. I hope you get better soon. Um, hope to see you out at all the football games this fall. Uh, when you get better, we want to have you out at spring practice and meet the team. Oh, my God. God. Okay. Yeah, that's incredible. Golly. That's so cool. One on one hand, like I'm I'm thinking because I know Spencer, and I'm like, this is this is so Spencer. It is. Yeah. On the other hand, I'm like, damn, that's pretty cool. Shout out Sonny Dykes. So he's telling me the story on the phone, and I said, dude, you're like a -a make-a-wish kid. (laughs) He's he's (laughs) He's like, yeah, dude, I did not deserve any of this. I was not on that level at all. But it just it's just really cool that the Frog Fam really is a Frog Fam and we take care of each other. So I just wanted to tell that story. That's an awesome story to start off. That's uh, that's fantastic. And um, Spencer's Spencer's doing OK. He's not dying or anything. That's that's good news, too. Is Great to hear. Yeah, he's home. He's home. He's recovering. He's over it. So. Good. Is he going to perform a motivational speech? And uh, Dude, yeah, for real. He's just going to be on the next episode of Carter Boy. Is he going to be on the Carter Boys episode of <laughs> off season? Given off season drama. The team, <laughs> the dramatic music plays, the lights go down. I asked Spencer if I could tell this story, so he's definitely going to be listening to this. So I hope he starts preparing his motivational speech, and then we win the Natty. He'll be the face of the Natty. <laughs> Dude, no joke. Yeah, when TCU baseball is in Omaha, he's going to be invited down. Yeah. He's going to throw out the first pitch of game one of TCU's national title appearance. <laughs> yeah, it's it funny was... because he's healthy, you know? 
It was just a cold, you guys. I'm I'm fine. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, some snuffles. Great All story right, so to start I, us off, I, Jacob. I yeah, wasted I what's it. left of my voice on that story. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, th- we finally have some games to talk about, oh which God, I'm pumped yes, about. We do. We're not projecting. We're not um, you know, trying to you know, pretend like we know what's gonna happen. We actually do know what happened, which is the frogs swept Florida Gulf Coast over the weekend. We're going to start off by going game by game. We'll do a quick synopsis of what happened and then um, throw it around to to different thoughts. And then at the end, I think we'll go on some, you know, bigger picture things that we feel like about the team. Obviously, we have some positives that came out and we have a couple of things that we're concerned about. And I think we'll be um, open to share about that. Martin was telling me he has a couple of negatives. He can't wait to say Oh, no. I've I've never heard Martin be negative. That's crazy. Well, me as an actual frog fan, I came away from this weekend with no negatives. <laughs> well, Ray Ray is always talking out of his ass. <laughs> no, me no. Especially when he's had two beers. Well, long long Quote, drink unquote, is bad, two. so now we get long drink Ray. Yeah. That's right. Cheers, brother. Welcome to the pod. Let's start off with game one on Friday night. Uh, Frogs go up early, scoring a couple um, early on, but it's the third inning, which would become the bane of the existence for the Frogs all weekend. The wheels fell off in the uh, the third inning. Peyton Tolley was on the mound, his debut as a Horned Frog. We were excited to see him. And for the first two innings, he struck out five batters. And so we're like, national championship, let's go. But... In that third inning, he gives up four earned runs. Caden Parker comes in for relief just after that um, and gave up five earned runs himself. So in the seventh, we're looking at a game where Florida Gulf Coast is up on the Frogs nine to three. It was in that moment that Martin looked over to me and said, if we don't score here, I'm leaving the game. And what oh, happened? Martin or me? That was Jacob. I think that might have been all of us, but Martin no, specifically no, no. said it. No, no, I, I was All never right. going to leave. That was specifically Jacob. Band wagon. In my defense, my dog is at home. I live in Dallas. It The game was taking forever. And I said, I'm probably better off just calling it a night, going to get my dog, and getting out here tomorrow for game two if they don't show some sign of a comeback. But they did, and I stayed. I was there till the end. So what so happened? I don't want to hear had, crap from anybody. We had home runs by Anthony Silva <laughs> and Chase Brunson. Chase God Brunson. We'll talk me. about it a little bit later on. And uh, that, at that point, we were in business. So frogs would go on to score seven unanswered runs from that point on, with the help of Zach Collier, our relief pitcher, who yep. basically left the uh, Eagles in shambles the rest of the game, and. Um, the, the game was won. Everybody's seen the video. Everyone knows what happened at this point. But the bottom of the ninth, Jack Arthur strikes out. The catcher drops the ball. So Jack runs the first base. It's an errant throw. And Peyton Chatnier, our new transfer from Ole Miss, scores all the way from second base to win the game at the bottom of the ninth as a walk-off win. The walk-off strikeout. Um, Jacob, you filmed that entire last segment. You posted it. Everyone's seen the video a million times. But your thoughts on kind of that last uh, section and then uh, Kirk coming up and actually thinking that we had lost the game. Yeah, that was a lot of fun. And, yeah, so during that review, you know, we were – I was thinking we won the game. You know, I I didn't think they were going to overturn that call. I 
I was a little annoyed they were reviewing it at all, but I understand it was a game-winning play, so they have to give Florida Gulf Coast the benefit of the doubt and review it. But <laughs> talking to Kirk, you know, he was like, I think he's out. And I'm like, I'm thinking like, why? But he does what a lot of people do when watching any sport. It's hedge your emotions, expect the worst, and then just be happy if it works out. But um, do we want to talk about that play right now? Or where, where do we, where do we want to go with this? Because we can talk about Zach Collier coming in as a transfer and absolutely winning the game for us, really like keeping us in it enough for our offense to win it, or we can go in a number, number of different directions. I want to know how cold y'all were watching this game. First off frozen frozen. And I was, I was screaming every, you know, when we started to make the comeback, it started to feel real. I, I was screaming every at bat and I look over to MK and I'm like, what was the last time we yelled like this? Last now, year, M- but yeah, M- MK's voice recovered. <laughs> MK's voice recovered. Mine did not. So yeah, so again, I apologize. Going back to the question, Ray, it was chilly. I had on a couple layers, up top and bottom, had gloves, and uh, the beers helped as well. But it, no, it was it was cold. It was very cold. Um, fortunately, we didn't have a ton of wind, but I feel like the temperature dropped about twenty degrees from the start of the game. Yeah, because I can tell y'all, I was nice and warm watching from the radio booth during the game. I think we should start at the top with Peyton Tully's outing. There you go. Because he looked Jared. like, like Martin said, he looked like Cliff Lee to start the game. And then, Dude, Martin, yeah. you, Martin, you rewatched it on TV the next day. You had some interesting notes. Do you want to talk about that? Yeah, so you know how we talked about him before the season on our pitching preview? I said um, he was crafty. Like, he gets a lot of strikeouts, but he doesn't really blow you away. He doesn't have, like, a 95-plus, which is usually what high strikeout guys have. But, um, you know, re-watching it, he moves that fastball. Like, he hits the corners. He has that Cliff Lee command. Like, he can put the ball wherever he wants. And it's not like a hittable pitch. It's a, it's in a tough place to hit. And he's not just, you know, throwing it in the same location over and over and over again. It's like he's getting it everywhere. And is, he – go ahead. I was going to say, is that something you all noticed early on from Tolley is that every pitch that was called was a fastball? There wasn't much breaking stuff those first two innings. Yeah. Yeah, when I was rewatching it for the first like seven batters, I think he only threw like two sliders. And, um, and you know, he was only sitting about 90 miles an hour, too. So I don't know if it was his release point or what that was really deceptive. And maybe it's what you said changing locations. Yeah, because it was, there was like nothing middle, middle, nothing. <clears throat> nothing that was easy to hit. And uh, we talked about during the game, maybe it's sometimes guys who are so long, have long wingspans, uh, they release the ball closer to the plate. So maybe it actually looks faster than what it actually yeah. is reading on the gun. Um, and then like the two sliders during the first like six or seven batters, it wasn't even like to get a strikeout. It was more like to show them something different, keep them off. Um, off balance but um so then the 
I think there was one out in the third inning, uh, the second batter. Mm-hmm. It was 0-2 count, and he threw a strike, and the umpire missed it. By the way, he kind of sucked, the umpire. on his So bad. Was it, he, that was like his first game ever. I don't know. but uh, So he missed the call, and the next pitch, um, Bowen is set up inside. I think he missed his spot. And it's outside, and the guy laces it to right field um, for a single. And I think Tolly might – I don't know if I'm thinking too much about this, but maybe he does not do well in the stretch because it kind of fell apart after that. Uh, does anybody have, like, play-by-play pulled up What do you that? What do you mean by that? I mean, some pitchers just like to pitch out of the, out of the wind-up versus uh, – out of the stretch. Yeah. Do you like want to hear the third inning breakdown? Yeah. Go ahead. After right, these so single. So, yeah, we have a strikeout looking, then a single, then a hit by pitch, a wild pitch, a walk, a single by Ian Farrow, who, my God, like a lot of people said on Twitter, if he wants to transfer to TCU, you know, <laughs> let's have that conversation. But continuing on, we have a double. A hit by pitch, a strikeout, and a ground out. And I think we'd already changed pitchers by then. I don't know. Maybe we did. No, he finished the inning. Okay. So he finished no. with a strikeout and a ground out. Yeah. Um, yeah. I and on that uh, first single is whenever he got squeezed on strike three. And then, yeah, the it was dude, like, oh, uh, like softly, like, uh, hit one out to right field after that. I do wonder what, like, how the game would have played out if the guy, the umpire, would have just called strike three, you know, do his job, but, um, you know, prevent somebody from getting on base. But who knows? So Jackson Day brings up a comment in the section. It says, Tolly also kind of got screwed by the third base umpire jumping in front of Ryder Robinson on a ground ball. This was kind of a theme for the Dude. weekend, I felt like, where there were um, – there were what what do you call it like the the sliding door moments where had this not happened an inning would be over and you wouldn't have given up four runs or had you know had a had a ball dropped at a certain point you know you would have scored two more runs and obviously they came out on top in each game but um there were a lot of things that they were like if that you know Ryder Robinson man I feel bad for the guy but there were a couple plays where had he made those you know that would have kind of ended yeah. a, a, a a rally. MK, can I play devil devil's advocate? No. Not I was going to say, if Florida Gulf Coast knew how to read the wind, then maybe the <laughs> game's a lot different. <laughs> yeah, the uh, comeback was definitely assisted by Florida Gulf Coast's inability to catch a pop-up, <laughs> which is pretty amazing to watch. Because you think ability like is one, a soft right. word. And it was all it, over the field too. It's not like it was just one location where they were struggling. It was all over. Yeah. The place. If if you get if you're the benefactor of one drop pop up in a game, you feel incredibly lucky. TCU benefited from four drop pop ups in that Friday game. Dude, and it was crazy. And you know, it didn't feel like the, well, I don't know, because I was in the booth. It didn't look like the wind was blowing that hard, but you would see balls and only balls that reached above the second deck of Lupton 
were the ones that would give the uh, fielders trouble that would start, I don't know, 10, 20 feet in foul territory. And I wouldn't be damned if they blew all the way back in yeah. and land 10 feet in fair territory. It was the damnedest thing. I, I, I hear what you're saying with the wind in terms of you know us being more lucky with that. Um, it was the sixth or seventh inning at one point, and Jacob, you and I were talking about the scoreboard. It was nine to three, and yep. you said, "You said, look, we have the same number of hits." Yeah. Like, and, and so it wasn't that we were getting destroyed in terms of you know uh, we couldn't hit the ball. We just weren't stringing certain things together at the right time. Yeah, it was it was, it was the fact that Florida Gulf Coast they were sequencing their hits perfectly to where every guy they got on they were able to score. Whereas TC was leaving guys, you know, second and third, bases loaded. It seemed like every inning. Like, even in the first couple innings where we scored, we should have scored more runs. Oh, 100%. And and finally, late in the game, we were able to, you know, cash in with guys on base. And the result result ended up where it should have been in the beginning of the game. You know what I mean? We should have had a big lead early. We didn't. But we got the win in the end. And, you know, there's a reason you play nine innings. Uh, Martin, can I throw it to you for a second to talk about the lineup? There was a few surprises in the opening day lineup, including, um, I don't know if it's a surprise, but Ryder Robinson started at third base. We had Curtis Byrne batting third overall with Carson uh, down in, I want to say, the sixth hole. What are the things that did you notice about that opening day lineup? Yeah, the <clears throat> I guess the most surprising things for me was uh Logan batting second and Curtis batting third. But um so talking to Curtis, I'm sorry, not Curtis, Carson, uh, you know, with him uh missing, he basically missed all of fall. So he's kind of behind. So it kind of makes sense why they would make what why they would push him down lower in the lineup. You know, maybe if he had participated in fall ball. Had had you know two offseason surgeries. Maybe he's batting second, like he ended last season. Um, and then Logan, I think it was probably too tough to dis to pick either Chatney or Logan batting leadoff. So they just batted them one two. Uh, they also like to split up the righties. You know they like to go right left right left. Um, was I surprised by Ryder Robinson starting a little bit? Uh, when we talked about the uh, lineups, I, I think I had Brody Green starting opening day. Um, I think it was, it was, yeah, I mean, yeah, I guess I was a little bit surprised. Very well, very well said. I mean, kidding. Can you, uh, so let's talk about that a little bit more about lineup construction. Uh, you know, we thought, and Martin said this, that it would be either Peyton Chatney or Logan Maxwell at leadoff, and then you had them both 1-2 in the lineup. I mean, just what was y'all's initial reactions to that? That Kurt knows best, and I'm just going to let it play out before I judge it. Like, like, even through all three games, we don't have enough data to really judge anything. Yeah, I agree with that. I think it's super hard to have a in-depth concession about discussion about the lineup and, and how it's going to be put together with only three games worth of data points to go off of. But 
that in mind, I had a lot of fun watching Peyton lead off these past three games. I mean, it was yeah. I mean, I I'm sorry to cut you off, but I think we should get through the other game recaps so we can get to general like yeah, weekend, absolutely. like weekend wide thoughts. So, do we game have any two. more on this game? I knew this was going to happen. I knew we were going to get like, through game one and then <laughs> start talking. Like, we'll definitely bring this up in our general thoughts. But Zach yeah. Collier is a freaking hero. Yeah. Like he'll he come won up. us this game. Oh, yeah, they don't they don't win the game without Zach Collier. He'll come absolutely. up again uh, later yeah. on. This so game. let's go to Saturday. Saturday game two. Very similar script to Friday. Um, Frogs got on top early but gave up four runs in the third inning. Uh, ding, ding, ding. We'll hear that again. Eventually, they went down 10-4 to four at, by the sixth inning. In a similar fashion, though, um, the starting pitching struggled. Cole Klecker gave up three massive home runs in the third inning. But a string of relievers would come in and kind of help uh, basically quiet the Eagles after that. So we had Kyle Ayers, we saw Braden Sloan, and of course, Ben Abel to close out the game. And they shut out the, the Eagles in the last four innings. Uh, the Frogs put up a crooked number in the eighth with seven runs, including Boyers leading off with a home run himself, and then a monster three-run uh, totally bomb that we all watched a million times that gave the Frogs the lead 12 to, to 10. Uh, they ended up winning 13 to 10. This was the second comeback of the weekend. Um, Ray, you were not at the park today. You were not in the box. Um, I know you've told us you were in the box multiple times, so we appreciate that information. Uh, but today <laughs> you were not there with us. How did you I feel was, watching from, from home? It was um, so, okay, in all honesty, MK, I was following from um, the stats broadcast because I was apartment shopping in a location that I will announce at a later time of my choosing. Okay, so you didn't but have I any eyes on it. I needed to find a new place to live on let's move on. To, let's move on to Garrett, who is watching the game live. Uh, Garrett, <laughs> what do you think? Yeah, no, I was, I was watching it. Um, I was watching it live on the television. Uh, Little Frog couldn't quite make it out in that, in that cold and that wind two games in a row. Um, but it, it felt, dude, it just honestly kind of felt like a replay from the night before. It's like, here, it's, uh, here's starting pitching going out, and um, things aren't going their way. And, and, and then the Frogs, as we, as we know, put it together and found a way. But it felt like it was the same game twice. It felt like I was watching the exact same game I watched on Friday. I watched on Saturday, um, specifically with some of the guys who came through and were difference makers. I know we'll get to it later after we finish the, um, the recap. but. Um, I think I'm in love with a man named Chase Brunson. That guy is incredible. Yeah. What a what a weekend he had, man. Yeah, and what really upset me about Saturday was the inability to catch and throw the baseball. Like, even more so than the pitching. Like, we can talk about specific plays, but mm -hmm. I was already annoyed about the defense. And then we had a uh, steal attempt, which we had the guy dead to rights. And then we don't catch the ball at second base to tag him out. And I'm just like, man, this is basic day one stuff. And yeah, I think like, that – so I'm going to cut you off today. I think that that carried over all three games was uh, defensive sloppiness and areas that we didn't expect to see it. Yeah, but it really started annoying me on Saturday. That's why I bring it up now. Definitely. Because, like, yeah, Klecker did not have a good outing. But you could have you could have limited a lot of damage by simply throwing and catching the baseball. Um, did you notice 
some guys that I felt like were traditionally very good with the ball. Um, you know, I, not to throw him under the bus because he had a great weekend behind the plate, but Anthony Silva struggled a little bit, just kind of grabbing the ball and and uh, and making regular plays that we kind of expect out of him. Maybe well, he had such a phenomenal first year yeah. that, you know, where, where our expectations are too high that some of those balls are going to be really tough to grab. I mean, I think it's what we talked about, right? Of like expecting the expecting greatness out of the routine, out of that position. Uh, Hold on, what are we talking about with Silva? Because I know he had the line drive, but what else was there? I think it was more of handling of the ball. You know, just kind of a few things. I mean, obviously he's getting you know uh, pegged left and right with with hard ground balls, but some stuff that you I expect him to make almost 100% of the plays. And there were some tough balls this weekend that didn't happen. Um, I don't know if we want to single out Silva. I, I, I just, I can't think of anything that he did. It, like if we're literally just talking about Saturday, I'm, I'm having trouble thinking about anything he did other than that line drive. Because the steal, the steal attempt at second that was dropped was about Chatnier. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you're going to look at, if we're going to single out people in the infield, Silva's probably wouldn't be the direction I would go. It'd probably be the man manning third base. It's it. I I, I mentioned Silva. I wasn't trying to single. Like I said at the beginning, I wasn't trying to single him out. In in general, we were not making regular plays at, at third base. Ryder Robinson missed yeah. something. Balls, missed some ground balls. There was one where he jumped up and it was an inch over his glove. You know, yeah, um, for sure. Like you said, Jacob, there was that that uh, going to throw the guy out at second base on the steal, and Shania just missed the ball. Right. Um, I mean, and then we, there, was we a, there was a fly ball that Curtis couldn't track down uh, at first base. You know, on on game one. So there, it was a whole weekend. There was a a pop up that uh, Carson couldn't handle playing first base. There was a double play ball that. The throw got wonky on the turn from Chatney. It should have been a double play. Mm-hmm. So yeah, there was a lot of a lot of defensive plays, and it carried into Sunday. Not okay. to ahead, but as y'all are watching the first two games of the series, are y'all thinking that the defense has been letting the pitching down, or vice versa? Both. Yeah, I would say both through these three games like there were some innings where the pitch you you could blame the pitching but it's like how can the pitching get six outs in one inning yeah yeah that it's um it's tough when like i talked to about those sliding doors moments when had one thing happened you could have seen a starting pitcher last five innings instead of three all right, let's let's move on to Sunday before we lose the script and start talking about weekend generalizations again. All right, game three on Sunday, Frog struggled again in the third inning. Uh, Zach Morris, our transfer from Arkansas, uh, looked great through a couple innings, but gave up four runs. So that's the third game uh, we're giving up four runs in the third inning. How many runs did we? So every inning this uh, weekend, every third inning this weekend. Was every four runs in the every third, third inning yes. gave up four runs. If you that combine all, if you combine all of the first and second innings together, they gave up one run the entire weekend. Yeah, um, and that was today. I, yeah, yes. first inning today. Uh, Ian Farrow uh, included in that. He looked great all weekend. I mean, awesome 
uh, awesome player for for FGCU. Um, they traded leads back and forth. TCU took the lead back in the sixth inning, never re- relinquished it at that point. There were two wild pitches where uh, uh, Chase and, and another uh, player scored. Really, that kind of riled up the crowd. That's when I, I stayed home today, but I could really hear that uh, coming across yeah. where the pitcher really – the pitcher pitchers scuffled after that. They could not really get over um, how loud the crowd was. Um, Tolly knocked in two runs on a single – and we put up a six spot. So Frogs sweep FGCU, winning the last game 11-6. to six. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's hard to be upset at a sweep. There's a lot of concerns, but today was a fun day. You guys are out there. Yeah. Dude, when Chase scored on that wild pitch, the ump had to get between him and the, uh, and the pitcher and walk the pitcher back to the mound. It was the most funniest thing I've ever seen. Uh, he, he chase was under him and getting up quickly. And I think the pitcher, obviously number one, he was upset. Number two, his uh, feelings were hurt because he gave up that, you know, pass ball. And so whenever something like that happens in the heat of the moment, you know, he, he wants to go after chase for whatever reason, but you know, the up is like, Nope, get back to the mound, buddy. If someone has the box score pulled up, was that O'Hara or O'Hara that uh, um, it was that it was pitch. a I don't know the pitcher's name, but he also struggled on Friday night uh, because if it was O'Hara, thing. that dude had a rough, <laughs> terrible weekend. weekend, terrible weekend. I think he only pitched like it was only like 10 pitches or something, gave up a bunch of runs today. And, and he did the same thing on Friday. That sounds like big O'Hara energy. That dude is not going to like Fort Worth. Yeah, I'm seeing today he uh, didn't record an out, gave up three runs, two walks, two wild pitches, a hit by pitch. Yeah, faced three batters, walked two, hit one. Yeah, he hit Curtis. I was ready to take yep. arms and yep. storm the field. I was ready to climb the net for sure. <laughs> yeah, 100%. Where do we want to um, go, Phil? There's a lot to talk about. I thought. I thought Zach Morris looked pretty good today. I thought he wasn't perfect. You know, he allowed a couple home runs that were hit really hard, but I thought in for the most part, he showed good life on his fastball. I thought he was locating the ball well. I thought his defense let him down a lot. Um, we had a new third baseman today, and it was kind of still defensively the same result. Um, we'll get into that more, but – I I liked what Zach Morris brought on the mound today. Out of a Sunday starter, I thought Zach gave you everything you needed out yeah. of a Sunday starter today. Yeah, he battled. He wasn't wild. I, let me look at his box score. Y'all plus with the with the depth of his pitching, I mean, we've we had a fresh, relatively fresh bullpen. Um, you know, Zach goes four innings, five hits, five earned run, four earned runs. Excuse me, three walks yeah, and three walked- strikeouts. He walked three and four innings, but how many innings did he have to face extra hitters because of errors? It had to be a lot because I think there was four errors by the fourth inning. Yeah, one of them was his own on a pickoff attempt. So I'll just talk about the other three, like those extending the innings. Yeah, there was two of them in one play by the same guy. Right. Can we be more specific? 
It would be that that was uh, Jack Vassier, right? Yeah, it was Jack Vassier. I mean, he'd already made an error earlier in the game, and then he makes another error, and in trying to make up for it, he throws the ball away. And you yeah. never want to compound an error with another error, and that's what he did there, just kind of out of desperation. That's what the that's what the FGCU catcher was doing all weekend. Exactly right. Yes, dude. No. The FGCU catcher was making it worse by not making plays he should have made because he was too scared to throw the ball. There were a few there. There was a couple times when he probably had the TCU, you know, base runner dead to rights, and he just didn't throw the ball. It was the weirdest thing. Isn't it weird? So many times. Isn't it weird that so many times he didn't throw the ball, but. At the end of uh, game one, he did throw the ball. Oh, right to first base. He had trouble ball? throwing down to first base all weekend. There was another play today. Oh, yeah, there was uh, one today, too. He spiked it. Of him trying to throw people out, how many bases did Peyton steal this weekend? He got a Peyton couple had, of Well, he had three in the first game, yeah. uh, which was funny because I'm reading the recap real quick. And they're like, TCU had multiple um, or three, you know, uh, steals in the first game, multiple steals for the first game of the season. And I was like, oh, all three of those were shabby. <laughs> yeah. There were seven for nine uh, on the weekend. Nice. That's great, man. That's awesome. And I think Chatney going in from Ole Miss to TCU, I think he had only stolen something like he was not much of a base dealer. Seven bases. He stole seven. His... I think he stole seven last year, maybe that six or seven the year prior to that. And now he already has three in the first game. That's pretty wild. That just tells you the uh, the philosophy, right? In four words. Yeah, exactly. Exactly what it Martin talked right about. Now. Yeah, in the uh, preseason, you know, when we we're talking offense about base stealing, you know, uh, yeah. with Trey Richardson, right? Trey Richardson only stole 15 bases in his two years at Baylor, steals 25 at TCU. And- um, oh, uh, yeah, you're exactly right, Ray. So today was a little bit easier, you know, on the nerves because we weren't trying to uh, come back in the seventh, eighth, ninth innings. Um, did the environment feel different than the first two games, Martin? Because you were there for both. Uh, as far as just which, yeah, which two games are we talking about? Well, just today compared to the first two. It was a comeback technically because oh, um, we were down by one run, but it wasn't like a massive six, seven run in it, you know, comeback. I mean, at times it did get really quiet today. As far as because you know Friday games, there's more students there. They're more rowdy, I guess. Uh, you know, at night, I think I think Saturday and Sunday felt very similar. Yeah, I thought I thought with uh, I, I thought with Saturday, the crowd didn't really get into it till late. Yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. the crowd was pretty into it today, for the most part, but especially late. But I think. By the time Sunday came around, you you weren't really worried because you've seen you've seen FGCU play two two full games, and you know they're not good at anything except hitting for power. They don't pitch well. They don't play defense well. Certainly, don't feel very well. Like you didn't think 
TC was in danger today after winning the first two games. All right. So on that topic, one of the positives I wrote down was obviously just the the fact that we have a team that believes, right, that they can win any game. Uh, down nine to three in the first game, down 10-4 in the second. Then they obviously gave yeah. up four in, in this, you know, in the in the third inning today. Um, they believe they can come back. So we can yeah, they we're, believe we're, they can come back, but they're also way more talented than a than a team like Florida Gulf Coast. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Even, like you don't even have to play well, but you're still that talented. Yeah, it was kind of like almost wait until you get into the pin. Yeah, I think it kind of felt like it kind of felt like a, you know, no disrespect to Florida Gulf Coast, but it kind of felt like a play with your food moment, you know, like we were expecting them to score to score runs and expecting them to come come away with come away with a way to win these games. And it's just like you're you're watching kids who are clearly way more talented than the other team kind of play with the food a little bit. Wow, it's like dad. It's like dad saying, "I win," and just beating his kid you know you said you said said no disrespect garrett but we just lost all our florida gulf coast listeners so thanks a lot the disrespect is huge (laughs) right now (laughs) but they Uh, can get out of the baseball though when i was rewatching, man good lord that one kid today smacked the hell out of the middle of the scoreboard dude yeah pharaoh yeah pharaoh it was pharaoh again he can walk like an egyptian over to Fort Worth and play for this squad anytime. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> when I was we'll rewatching the him. first game, Ray, I, I'm going to, I know you're the producer, but I'm going to need you to del- delete that. Whatever the last <laughs> 15 <laughs> seconds you That just was said. a quality joke. Come on now. <laughs> Pharaoh. Oh my now God. Did it the, uh, that. The it walk- just so yeah, as the resident dad, I I got it right away. I just wasn't happy about it. I'll, I'll give I'll give him a thumbs up for that one. I just saw the arm movement, so I was trying to process it. I I, I got there. Oh, we are having fun, Martin. Where you at, man? You you we cut you uh, off like seven times. Just wait and make sure Ray's done. Okay, he's <laughs> muted. All right. Um. So while I was while I was rewatching um the first game, Chuck Lamondola was talking about um, they were supposed to play Lindwood this opening weekend. I don't even know where Lindwood is. But what is a Lindwood? I I've, I've never heard of Lindwood before. Probably would have been three wins for Florida Gulf Coast versus three losses. Oh, Florida Gulf Coast was supposed to play Windwood, not us. Windwood, yeah. Windwood. So anyways, yeah, so <laughs> he had scheduled Lindwood because he had so many guys leaving from last year's team. Um, he told Chuck, you know, he did. Like, what a difference that you go from Lindwood to playing a top five team in the country in Fort Worth. Um I mean, the guys, the returners did very well, um, you know, and I'm, I'm including Farrow as a returner because he he spent some time at, at FGCU, went to Miami for a year, and then he came back. Farrow, uh, Lajewski, um, and Povey crushed the ball all weekend. Um, but it just really surprised me the lack of arms they had and how quick a hook their coach had pretty much on everybody except for the Saturday starter 
who's yeah, probably yeah. their their best pitcher and really the only guy who was able to like kind of keep this offense at bay a little bit. Yeah. Were, Martin, did you say um, he was their best pitcher last year, the Saturday starter? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't really saying much. No, like I, it's not. But I'm just curious because their best pitcher last year, what was if that was him, he had like, yeah. what, a five-something ERA. Yeah, he had a five-something ERA. He threw the most innings um, out of that team. He made the most starts. Uh, they had a couple guys drafted, but both of them were, like, injured. Um, their second best pitcher had over a seven ERA. I mean, these guys won 40-plus games by hitting yeah. 10 runs a piece. You know, they, they, they mashed the ball last year. I guess I think we expected when they lost, you know, 60, 70% of their home runs that that was not going right. to happen. But they they are right back to where they were last year of just hitting the ball like crazy, but also giving up the same thing, you know, on defense. Yeah, I guess they I guess they got a type when they recruit. Hit the shit <laughs> out of the ball. They don't really care if you can catch it. Which probably works against most teams in their conference. Yeah, what are they in the A Sun? Yeah, it's not gonna work here in Fort Worth against us. I mean, it almost did. I was but not to quite. Kind of ask you like Martin, what what do the results against this team, these past three games, say to you about the problems looking forward? Wait, before we answer that question, let's talk about Hell's Half Acre. And then let's get into the weekend observations. Hell's Half Acre. Um we are proudly brought to you by Hell's Half Acre. If you go to Hell's Half Acre SG slash Lupton Drinking Club, you can find dot com. You can find all your gear, Q-zips, polos, hats. Jacob and I are wearing one right now. So is Garrett, a different one. Um, they've got brand new, amazing looking bats, full-size bats, mini bats. If you want to give one to your kid, um, careful with that. But we, we love their gear. We love their stuff and uh, appreciate them for, for sponsoring us. If you've been following this pod for any amount of time and you haven't shopped at Hell's Half Acre yet, you need to fix that today. It's baseball season. Games are going on. We have UCLA next weekend. Get your Hell's Half Acre gear in now. Make it happen. If you order it now, you could probably have it in time Dude, to wear it to Lupton. He turns it around in like 24 hours. You could have it for Texas State game. You could have it for Texas State. You really could. No excuses. So get on there. Check it out. MK. Where were we? Let's go to weekend observations. So, All right. So, let, some we, can just so we already talked about the rally frogs, the cardiac frogs coming back. Number two, I want to mention a player that everyone's dying to talk about. Uh, true freshman center fielder Chase Brunson. Uh, batted like later. God, frog ball legend Chase. Thanks for interrupting, Ray. Appreciate you. Uh, Friday, (laughs) two for three with a home run. Saturday, three for five with a home run. Sunday, one for two with a double. He was smashing all weekend, played great defense. Where do you want to go? My bar for Chase Brunson was really high. He exceeded it. I mean, what, what, where's the criticism? I mean, he was smoking the ball all over the field. He had home runs, extra base hits. Played a great center field. I mean, as a freshman, my bar was not high at all. It was why? play good defense. Because I mean, I, mean, yeah, 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 I yeah, don't yeah. expect yeah. I don't expect Carson Bowen, Anthony Silva like freshman seasons out of every single freshman. You're right. 
Um, I just play good defense and be have competitive at bats. You know, don't look lost at the plate. And good God. Well, he looked like the best player on the team. Oh my God. And then some. Yeah. I mean, there's not much more you can say about it. Like, you don't really expect his current pace to continue, but you love what he's shown and what he can be. Dude. Okay. So, over the fall, I know I told y'all all fall that. He was like the best hitter. He hit for power. He was fast. He was a good base runner. He had good at bats. Like, dude looked like the perfect baseball player. And all fall, I thought to myself, like, this fucking guy looks like Mike Trout. Yeah. But I never wanted to say it on the podcast, but fuck <laughs> it. He looks like Mike Trout. Well, now he's done it over oh, three yeah. Now it's, yeah. Yeah. Now yeah, like, it's real now. Can we go and cut that and put it on Instagram? <laughs> yeah. Mike Trout, Mike, incredible, and Garrett, stop fucking with your mic, dude. Yeah, it was a little roughly right there. Sorry, brother. Was it it roughly right there? To uh, Chase Brunson, you know, not highly regarded out of high school because he refused to do the perfect game circuit, which shows what a scam um, perfect game is. Not true. Well. Uh, to an extent, future sponsor perfect game will not like hearing that. Well, I don't care. Come at me, perfect game. Come I mean, at gonna, me. They're going to rank the players that, that do the perfect game stuff, right? So yeah, if, they don't, if, they, if, they, if they decide not to join it, doesn't mean that they're missing out. They just don't know those guys. It's going to be so sick when perfect game does come for Ray. <laughs> <laughs> I'd like to see them take the $13.45 out of my checking account right now. Come at me. I don't see why they wouldn't. Um, all right. Did so, you did you have a point, Ray? No. Yeah. Perfect game sucks. Oh fuck. Okay. That was it. That was it. <laughs> all right. MK, I want to move on to Zach Collier. I've heard because of him. We, talk, we talked about how he saved the game on Friday. And he was electric again today, too, even if you know he wasn't in a position where we desperately needed him to save the game necessarily, but he still came in with the bases loaded, nobody out. Now, he allowed a, an inherited run on a really weak ground ball to shortstop. Yeah. Which, whatever, that's not on him. But here's his stat line from the weekend. He won the Friday game and the Sunday game. He pitched four and two-third, gave up two hits, six strikeouts, faced 18 batters. So he struck out one out of every three hitters. He did have three walks, but who cares? Because... Dude, his batting average against was 133. And I don't see an earned run average here, but I'm pretty sure it's zero. Yeah. Because he only gave up that one inherited run. Oh, yeah, here it is. Yeah, zero ERA. So Zach Collier looks like a damn machine gun out there. And the ground balls he got today, the bases loaded, no outs, two ground balls to third base, like the exact same ground ball. Right. And they could have gotten out the inning, you know, almost right there with no with no run scored the fact that he was just getting ground balls and not lasers to the to the fence um he looked great uh, he he had yeah i mean unbelievable performance for him uh, over the whole weekend 
You said um, he has two wins. Two wins already. Yeah. Yeah. He he got the win today and Friday. <laughs> Damn, he's probably leading the nation in wins. In wins, <laughs> dude. There's no doubt. Like, what's the uh, pitch of the year award? I forgot, but he's got to be. It's the Roger Clemens Award. Okay, there you go. I have to tweet that out because that's amazing. There's nobody Wait. else with two wins in the whole See, I, I did not realize he was credited with today's win as well. That's outstanding. Do y'all want to know Chase Brunson's ops right now? I know it already. 1,500. All right. So, like, an amazing ops is anything at 1,000 or over. Chase Brunson is at 2,067. <laughs> Yeah. So that is gets, stupid. That's he, no, hold on. that is stupid. So stupid. If that's he quits cool. now, is he the greatest baseball player in TCU history? Oh, hands down, that's the greatest baseball player ever. Move over, Matt Carpenter. We have a new frog ball legend. So he's averaging over a double per bat. Martin, will Chase Brunson make the countdown next year? I don't know. You're doing it. <laughs> oh. All right, um, Anthony Silva also had a fantastic weekend. Uh, seven. He for was really good on Friday. Seven for really thirteen good. with four RBI. The dude just picked right back up where he came from last year. I mean, he was he was smoking at the end of last year, and I mean, yeah, he looks so good. Are you saying that Tejano Tornado didn't stop spinning? <laughs> Logan Maxwell quietly had a great weekend. Yes, uh, Logan, it was a rocky start on Friday, but picked it up as the weekend went on. Yeah, he finished 5 for 12, two doubles. I, he might have been a benefactor of one of the drop pop-ups, but still. Huh. Who was it in that frog ball lineup? Good God. <laughs> uh, Peyton Chatney had two home runs on Saturday. That was cool. Uh, Luke Boyers had a couple clutch hits. He started the comeback on Saturday with a home run. Luke Boyers, as well as Carson Bowen, both had really, really great weekends. Carson All the killer Bowen, views. so he came out of it today. Luke Boyers had an incredible weekend. Hey, can you all tell me, were you there until the end when, when he hit almost a grand slam? Yeah. Oh, my God, what, yeah. Oh. I didn't hear anything in the stands, and I'm watching this going, this this is incredible. He was he was two inches from that. Yeah, uh, Peyton Chatagnier was in the on-deck circle. Everybody thought it was getting out, and when they caught it, he, like, just dropped his bat. Couldn't believe it. It was pretty funny. Had to be there, I guess. So, <laughs> two guys they they had to hang in there. <laughs> it was incredible. <laughs> So, two guys who are kind of lower on the list as far as weekend production goes, Peyton Tolley and Curtis Byrne, they had two of the clutchest hits of the weekend. Like, Curtis was having a really tough weekend up until the eighth inning on Saturday when he had a two-out, or I don't know if it was two outs, but he had a base hit that scored two that got that eighth inning comeback really going. And then Peyton Tolley with the home run on Saturday. So, I mean, I thought Florida Gulf Coast hit very well. I look at their sets, and they had like yes three or three or four guys with a thousand OPS. And then I look at ours; we have seven guys, yeah, seven starters with a thousand OPS. Yeah, and then Chase Brunson two thousand. 
two. You put two on it. Yeah, I've never seen a guy with an uh, ops over two, like two thousand. I mean, I have a question for y'all. Who is the most impressive TCU hitter this weekend? In Chase y'all's Brown. opinion, dude, got to be Chase. Like yeah. we just talked okay. about it. I think we, I think we knew the potential of Silva. He had a great weekend, but I think we saw that last year. Uh, Carson Bowen finally had things connect today. Yesterday, I didn't mention this, but he had two line drive like lasers to yeah. right field that had they been anywhere else, you know, 10, 15 feet, they would have dropped for a double. Um, so he was hitting the ball real well. But I think no one expected that from Chase. I was going to say, Ray, sleeping. We, the people we don't expect it from would be Luke Boyers. I did not expect the weekend he had. Stop touching your mic. I'm, I'm going to come kick your ass. Oh, my God, dude. Get a real mic. Okay. I thought yes, this one was Luke better. Luke Boyers was No, great. you keep touching it. Hand off. <laughs> I <thought> that... <laughs> Better. <laughs> Ish. Not so great now. All right, Rick, continue yes. your point about Luke Boyers. Luke Boyers was incredible because the TCU fans have been riding Luke Boyers all offseason into this season. What do you mean, TCU fans? We've been riding Luke Boyers. This podcast has been riding. Everyone. Luke. Yeah. Everyone. Don't put it on the TCU fans. Only struck out once this weekend, which is huge for him. Made great contact. But the player that impressed me the most was not Luke Boyers. It was Peyton Chatnier. Shat- what? Chatnier. That's, that's definitely wrong. Chatnier. Chatnier. And Dude, I'm going to butcher this ordering, name It's like all you're year. ordering a Chardonnay. But Chardonnay. Chardonnay. Uh, yeah, I'm just going to call him Peyton Chardonnay. What if you just called him second base Peyton? Peyton Chardonnay, order me a drink. Thank you. Because all you heard from SEC fans all offseason was, oh, great defense, but that bat is sus F. Who's and talking to SEC fans? I was. Because <laughs> I was in every SEC space this uh, offseason trying to learn as much about college baseball as possible. And... You know, you just hear all these people shitting on the dude, and all he did was come out. Who? Like, yeah, you're SEC buddies, but who gives a shit about them? Yeah. He had great defense all weekend. It was awesome. Now, Not just great defense. He was awesome at the plate. He had two home runs on Saturday. Y'all conveniently glossed over that. Two, two home runs. We literally talked about it. What are you yeah. talking about? MK seems surprised. Two, no, I'm surprised you said two. Did he have two home runs on Saturday? Yes. As we as we talked about earlier. Well, that's news to MK. I, I'm not sh- that because I didn't know he had two home runs doesn't mean I'm shitting on him, Ray. <laughs> no, I'm not saying you're shitting on him. I'm just saying you're surprised that he had two home runs. I you did, gotta I, him, I legitimately Ray. didn't know that, is what I'm saying. Yeah. All right. Let's let's talk about the negatives before MK and Ray fist fight. And I'm just like Garrett. Ray's drunk, and I'm trying to host a podcast in the oh, you know yeah. with y'all talk about TCU baseball. He's trying to give you know to to riz up a, a guy that we like already. Like we're doing fine here. Yeah, riz him up, bro. <laughs> Glaze him like Ray does. All right. Oh my gosh. I have so, some questions from the chat. Does anyone want to hear those from you know maybe? 
uh, for, you know, questions from Twitter. Anybody want those? I will. I personally chat. will listen to them. Yes. Jackson Day. Wait, who's in the chat first? Jackson Day has been all over the place, but he actually asked some questions on Twitter. I think we might should we we should address the first one. We've asked this. He, he already asked it, but I think it's awesome. How many TCU players will individually have more home runs than Baylor this season? Oh, hey, um, man, great question. I'm glad you said that. The Baylor home run counter and the Peyton Tolley home run counter is even at one through one weekend. Now, remember, the original question was, would Baylor allow more home runs? Than no, would Baylor hit? hit more home runs than our pitching staff hit? Right, that's right. Okay, so how many? And Peyton Tolley has one. Baylor baseball no. has one. It's right. No, I know. I thought I'm trying to remember what Jackson originally said, though. Was it? That's what he said. Okay. Okay. So one is to the, one. Is Baylor still playing right now, though? Um, I think they're, they're playing, playing Tennessee against Tennessee, right Tennessee but come on, dude. Tennessee's going to whoop that ass. Tennessee? Yeah. Ten- Tennessee. All right. What's the next question? The chat looks really good. I've looked at The chat it is popping. You don't want questions from the chat or you want questions from Twitter? Let, let's try to hit them both. From both. Yeah. Is uh, Chatnier the next coming of Christ at Jackson no. Day? Next You're question. damn right. Uh, no, at least the next coming of Trey Richardson. Hey, I do need to interrupt questions to – we need to talk about pitching. And I will just say here's my thought on pitching. We know these guys are talented. They had a bad weekend. So I'm not going to freak out or make any kind of conclusions after one weekend. But if we're on here next Sunday night and it's the same results, then we're going to have to have a long discussion about pitching. That's where I'm at. Um, Starting pitching. Starting pitching. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, yeah. Abel was awesome. Carter was awesome. Like we uh, can Col- point out yeah. relievers, but yes, Tolly, uh, Klecker. And to and a Morris. much lesser extent, Zach Morris. Yeah, uh, because Collier, Abelt, Sloan were awesome this week. Sloan, I thought Hoover was pretty good. Lewis, for the most part, was okay. Like we can go down the line on relievers, but off the air, did Hoover give up a home run? I don't think so, and nor do I care. Because one home run to me doesn't say like good or bad. Going back to a question you asked earlier, Ray, about pitching versus errors, which one let us down? Which one do you think Kirk is more was more frustrated about? Because I, there was a couple times on the broadcast today. I'm watching; they showed a lot of Kirk today, um, for better or for worse. All right, and he, there were times when he looked frustrated, and to me, I had a hard time deciding what he was frustrated about the previous error that just happened or the fact that he had to go pull a guy for the next reliever. I think it was definitely the defense that I he agree. was most frustrated about. Um, I agree. I mean, even kind of alluded, he thought the pitching was fine on Friday. It got off to a good start shaky in the middle and it was great at the end. I think the defense was his sticking point for the weekend. Right. I agree. Uh, our guy, Colby Googlemeyer. Thanks for chiming in, Colby, at Colby Googs. I have a few thoughts. We don't have an All-American. 
Number one. Uh, first wrong. First, for, well, no, no, sorry, I didn't finish that. I didn't finish that sentence. We don't have an all-American first-round draft pick at third base anymore. That is okay. true. Oh, true. That, okay. that that is true. Uh, might have the best two-way middle infield combo in the nation. And Chase Brunson yeah. is a bad man. Oh, Chase Brunson is the bad bad man. Come on, can't now. disagree with Put any some of emphasis that. there. What about the the the, uh, the best two way middle? So with with Chatnier and and Silva in the middle. Well, there. when you have Silva, that helps a lot. Yeah, yeah. Silva's definitely going to be a first round pick uh, in this upcoming MLB draft. May go higher than Braden Taylor. If that tells you anything, you need to know. I mean, we'll see. People love shortstops. Well, heck, Braden was drafted as a shortstop. So, yeah. yeah well, okay, that's that's for a different day. <laughs> At Fort Worth Frog, how much money does the Flying Tea Club have to raise to get Farrow in our lineup? I think that... Um, that's I don't need good. him. He's already transferred twice. Yeah. Yeah. So, because Be gone. I don't need that. I don't need him in my lineup. So, remind me. I saw Sam Myers. To not even want him Relax, to relax, podcast. Remind me, he was at FGCU, then went to Miami, and then came back to FGCU. Is okay. That, yeah. okay. Mm-hmm. Um, at Triple Option Fan, this is a good question we could talk about. What are we doing to third base? I think that's yeah, a reasonable. That's, that's a really great question. I think, like Martin, like Martin said, started off. Go ahead, Jacob. I like what Martin said that he thought Brody Green was going to start there. I agreed, but I think I think eventually Ryder will be the best player for that position. It just seemed like the lights might've been a little too bright for him this weekend. So he may just need a little more time in the lab to grow. So I think going forward, you'll see Brody there for the meantime. And Brody may end up being a good enough player that he holds down the position all year. And we see Ryder like next year, but I don't know. Brody looked like he could handle it today. Yeah. Can I, I want to mention something about, uh, last night specifically, um, I wrote down this down in our notes because it happened in real time, and I was like, I'm going to forget this. So, if this was the eighth inning, Ryder had two errors. I want to say at this point um, in the game, I think he had both of the errors in the game, yeah. and uh, struggling at the plate. Clearly, he was not hitting well. He was down 0 and 2 in the count. Yeah. Um, so we're like, all right. At this point, um, I we we all felt bad, but we're like, we expect to see another third baseman tomorrow. It is what it is. Um, he hit a light pop-up to the outfield and the outfielder lost it in the sun and it dropped and they actually registered it as a hit because of that, right? It was a tough play for the outfielder, but just to have his first hit, right? His first collegiate hit. I'm like, at least he didn't right. go down 0-3, you know, strike out on yeah, three pitches. So, so let me add a few details to that MK. So yes, he got down 0-2, but then he fouled a pitch off and then he took ball one. And then he fouled another pitch off, then took ball two. Like he was battling in that at bat, which is what we wanted to see. And then when he did make contact, it wasn't that it was dropped. It was just kind of hit in a lucky location that nobody could get to. Which was fortunate for sure. And you wanted to see something positive happen for Ryder. But you can't have something positive happen if you don't make contact. And he battled his ass off in that at bat. So for if that was his last about of the weekend, at least it went out on a positive. And even if he didn't hit the ball hard, he should feel good about that at bat. 
that gives me a good thought. What coming out of this weekend gives y'all concern? Starting pitching. I mean, yeah, uh-huh. starting pitching and, and and what we're going to figure out at third base. I think defense is a, is more easily correctable, and I'm not even necessarily worried about starting pitching. I just want to see more information. I want to see yes, more. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think it's a concern at starting pitching, but if the question is what was right. concerning this weekend, then it's it doesn't concern y'all that by the third inning things got rocky top real quick. Well, kind of, but what's also it's also opening weekend, and we're also looking at a team that I think we all agree can clearly rake as well. So uh, did I we clearly we, think that going in? No, no, but if I'm going to be honest with myself i didn't do enough research on that team to even realize how good they were at smacking the ball around but at the same time three games isn't enough data points to judge this rotation regardless yeah i want to wait and see for ucla before i say anything about pitching do y'all have concerns going into the like we just answered that question right like yes, no. okay. I want I want to see what they do against UCLA. I'm not concerned. I, I'm just gonna watch with interest. Does it raise flags? Like ponchos? What's do we the have next any more uh, questions? Question, yeah. I uh, so I just want to talk about pitching real quick. So Cole obviously struggled in that third inning, right? And it was the third home run that he gave up that inning. And I, I was intently staring at him, just curious of, on his reaction. Um, he was, he was, he com- in complete disbelief of what was happening. Right, shaking right. his head. Um, it was one of those, you know, when you're when you're like, you're laughing because it's so ridiculous, mm-hmm. right? He was kind of that half laugh type thing. And what I what I want to take away from that is number one, obviously he didn't expect it, but number two, he's like, okay, I'm I'm pitching well. They're 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 smacking the ball. If you look at that second home run, I think I showed this to you, Jacob, that short video. Yeah. It, I said, look at the ball placement on this second home run. It was low and it was outside, and somehow the batter got under it and he smoked it. it. He pulled right over the center it. field fence. He which pulled an outside pitch. You, you would not believe that result from the pitch in a right. hundred out of a hundred times. You would not predict that. Um, so I think, you know, I, I just don't see that as uh, I'm not concerned about Cole's, you know, uh, start despite the fact that, you know, that, that, that third inning was pretty rough. So you remember like when we were previewing guys, my concern about Cole was his low strikeout per nine. And I was like, man, if, if guys are allowing contact, then there's a chance that contact could end up being unlucky. But the thing is with Cole, with Cole, he pitched three innings and he struck out four guys. So he was missing more bats than normal, but still giving up, you know, home runs. So it's just, it's weird to evaluate Cole in those three innings. Was So I wasn't there on Saturday. Was those home runs he was giving up, were they cheapies? Like when they did? looked like they were bombs. Or so they were actual home runs. Yeah, I actually sent that question in the group text. I was I was curious myself. I was like, are are these um, wind assisted or what's going on? Well, and like everybody in case there responds said, and says, no, dude, these are these, they're raking. These are bombs. They, but like MK said, like that one home run that was low and outside, and he pulled it over the left field fence. That's just not normal behavior. Yeah, 
yeah, it's just weird baseball stuff. Got a question from William Dixon, um, our guy. He's he's at, he's asked questions in the past. Appreciate you uh, uh, latching on with uh, joining us, William. So who who seemed more comfortable at first base? That was a, that was interesting because we saw Carson uh, play on Saturday and Sunday. We saw Curtis start uh, at first base on uh, Friday, and then we'll go on to the next question after that. I got another. I got some more, but that was interesting to see them back back and forth. I mean, neither looked all that comfortable. Kind of weird seeing both of them. Yeah, I thought the most uncomfortable Carson looked this weekend was there was Brody Green, bases loaded, no outs. Brody Green catches a ground ball, throws it to home, and Curtis tries to double him off at first, and Carson's foot is not on the bag already. Dude, first base is a hard ass position to play unless you played there because there's so many like little details like that play that you're just not used to. Now, he immediately corrected it on the next at bat. It was the same exact he play. Did. Yeah, he so, learned quick. Yeah, he did. But the thing is with first base defense, if you go back to TCU teams in the past, how many traditional first basemen have we ever really had? Cole Fontenelle was an anchor. I mean, not even him, man, really. Yeah. Baker wasn't even a first baseman. They just put him there, right? To get him in they the had, They had Landis Toy. They had Juan Hanen. I mean, they just don't really care about first base defense. Kevin Crone. Crone is was still a good play, one. Does he still play first base in the majors? Is he in the majors? I don't think he is. No, I thought he was in Japan. I don't think he is. I like Jackson's whole career. The guys, their new position. I was impressed. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Guys new to the role. They did it. It was serviceable. We got through the weekend. My thing is, as long as your first baseman is hitting, I don't really care a whole lot about defense. Yeah, exactly right. Joe Fontenelle wasn't very good last year early in the season either. He grew into the position, but he wasn't very good to start. Last question before we close out. Um, I have a a question too. Second to last question. Ray, go for it. Does it concern y'all? Last year when we started at Globe Life, we scored 37 runs. This year, we only scored 34 runs. Oh. Debate. No. Is that a real question? No, he's 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 fucking around. Oh, okay. I was just looking at the last year to compare to this this year starts. Mm-hmm. 65% of those this year have been after the sixth inning, which is interesting, right? So that is comeback frogs. Um, Cardiac. Last question from William. Is the batter's eye turning Lepton into a hitter's park, or was it a fluky series with all home runs because of the wind and then two teams having a lot of power? Very good question. Some to keep an eye on. That's another data point question. We're going to have to wait and see on it, but it sure was a weird weekend. I have a thought. What? I think it's a batter. Like it helps with the batter's eye because I don't know if everyone listened to our uh, Hunter Wolf interview, but he said, damn, I sure wish I had that batter eye when I was playing there. Yeah, it might be a real thing. It might really be. I think, but here's think another that thing is too. a huge help. So we learned on good authority that they recently raised the height of the mound, and pitchers are having a hard time keeping the ball down now. How is that possible? 
How do you? I don't know. I'm I'm I just throwing it, it out uniform there. Uniform throughout the entire. The, but it's, you don't see umpires going out there measuring it. Is that? No. Yeah, that, that's a good question. Are we allowed to raise and lower the mound at our pleasure? I don't know. But I mean that I feel like you could do that um, advantageously based on the series or based on the year and say, hey, we're we're going to do this because the guys, the pitchers of the opposing teams aren't used to it. But it was from a good source that says the mounds got raised and pitchers are having a hard time with it. Is that does that include our, does that include our pitchers? Yes. Or is that okay? Yeah, it especially includes our pitchers. Yeah, Martin, um, we're going to close out. So, what final thoughts do you have about the weekend or or uh, moving forward? I mean, it was a great weekend. Beautiful baseball was played. <laughs> hey, man, Garrett. Brother. No, yeah, I agree with Martin. It was a fun weekend. Cardiac frogs in full effect. Um, a lot of fun to see some of these guys contribute especially getting to see what chase did i had fun man i'm ready for more let's go play texas state let's go on to ucla ray where you at offense is exciting need to see some more from the pitching starting pitching jacob it was nice to play bad baseball and get a sweep hell yes i agree with that three and oh we're three and oh Going into Texas State on Tuesday night, we've got UCLA, which is a huge top 15 matchup next weekend. The weather is going to be gorgeous. We hope to see and meet more of you. If you guys come out to the stadium, we would love to interact. It was awesome to meet uh, folks as they came up and said, we follow you guys. We like what you do. Um, Shout out Braxton. Hell yeah. Baxton, not Braxton. Baxton, sorry. It's Baxton without an R. He actually said that. So, uh Anyway, just a lot of fun this weekend to get back out to Lupton. It's the it's our favorite place in the whole world. Um, thank you guys for joining us live uh, on the chat tonight. We really appreciate it. Obviously, we are on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Lupton Beers. Please follow that. Thank you to our sponsors, Hell's Half Acre, and of course, um, Ray's Long Drink, fourth long drink on the pod. Uh, appreciate you for for sponsoring us. Uh, as yeah. always, go Frogs. Hey, follow us on Discord too. We've oh, got a lot of exciting yes. things happening what's, on Discord. What's the link for how, how do we how do we promote the Discord deal? I mean, it's kind of been underground, but well, now it's hey, not. I'll tell you this. Uh, if you want to join the Discord, I'll put it in the YouTube description on the video. If you're listening yeah. this far, we have then, uh, a lot of great stuff already happening there. A lot of yeah. in-game discussion, some back and forth. Uh, you, if you're looking for frog ball talk during the game, that's the place to go. Anybody already on anybody listening this far is already on discord, but we appreciate it anyway. So. Yeah. I'll put it in the YouTube description on this. Podcast. Thank you, Bella Fox. We appreciate you. Thanks for joining tonight. See y'all go frogs. Go frogs. Go frogs. Go damn frogs. <laughs>